Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Deep Town Divers VR show. In this show we talk about tech news, VR, AR, AI and all of the goodness and all of the news uh, we love to talk about. And today I'm super honored and excited to have with me Alvin van Graylin as a guest. Thank you for accepting our invitation. And we are going to discuss Thanks, a lot of stuff about VR, headsets, hardware, software, and all of the other things. So stay tuned for that. So hello, Alvin. Thank you for coming to our VR show. And uh, let's dive straight into it. Uh, could you tell us how <laughs> did you get me. into VR? You are you are a uh, China president of HCC. You have 20 years of uh, management experience. You do mobile division in HCC. And how did you, how did you get there? How did you get into VR and uh, all of that uh, all of all of that stuff? Um, so I actually was first exposed to VR almost 30 years ago, um, back in 1991. Uh, I was able to, uh, I was at the University of Washington and was able to go and uh, participate in the, the hit lab under Tom Furness. So he, he had just recently opened the hit lab. It was the first uh, VR-oriented research lab right. uh, uh, that's non, non-military research lab in the United States. And uh, I was able to get exposed to some really cool technology there. And uh, it, it actually really made me interested in the potential of uh, VR to change the world. And uh, in fact, I did my research paper there on how to apply VR to disrupt education and mm-hmm. really create a new way to educate. And uh, I remember the, the conclusion of my paper was within 10 years, all the schools will be using this stuff and uh, we're going to be you know, <laughs> learning in a much better immersive way. So uh, as, as we all know, I was wrong. <laughs> But uh, I think it's starting to happen now. Yeah. And uh, in fact, with, with what's happening with, um, with the COVID situation and with the social distancing, there's now more of a need than ever to apply VR to remote learning, uh, as well as to remote work and work from home and all these situations. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, the first try of the VR market, let's say, in industry didn't go that well. Uh, but I think it was an important one. It was important to, to try things out and kind of to introduce the technology and the potential to people. But right now, with advancements of mobile screens and stuff, uh, we are actually getting there very fast. And of course, um, I, in my opinion, mobile is getting, um, uh, VR is getting already mainstream uh, pretty quickly, even though many people call it well, the I, I beginning. Don't, I don't think it's mainstream yet. It's it's, not, but it's, it's getting there. We are, we are getting there, right? We are, yeah. We're, we're yeah, the, the, steadily... The trajectory is good. Trajectory is... Yeah. is and I, I think that the, the, the last six months has made it much more apparent, I think, to the rest of the world uh, who are not VR enthusiasts, uh, the value of something like this. And, uh, you know, for instance, in just events like what you're doing right now, this, this type of, of a format is something that will become more and more the norm. Uh, in fact, we, we did a, for, uh, for the Chinese uh, government mm-hmm. uh, yearly meeting, we actually did an interview show for the China uh, People's Daily with the leaders of the country nice. using the, a VR, VR format, right? So, and then it was then broadcast on, on live TV. Right? Oh, that's so, amazing. Uh, yeah, so th- this, this type of format in terms of, of for, for concerts, for conferences, for interviews, for shows, uh, it's going to become more and more the norm. All right. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And uh, I think, you know, we both are in completely different locations uh, on the planet. And yet we are 
present here um, you know, with the audience and we are discussing topics which is already an amazing advancement in, uh, in the technology. It just shows that technology is already uh, maturing and uh, letting us do those things, uh, which is great, of course. Okay, so tell us how did you how did you get to HCC? What led you to um, you know to 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 be the executive there, and um, how did you how did you get there? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to make a long story short, I've I've been in the tech industry for you know twenty something years, and uh, you know have done four different tech startups. Um, but right around two thousand end of two thousand fifteen, I had sold my last company and uh, was was actually in Taiwan. Uh, for a project, and uh, was able to meet with uh, with Xue Wang, who was the chairman for HTC, and and uh, you know she was looking for somebody to uh, to run the China business uh, for this new VR business she's got, and then when we started chatting, I, we started to to realize that our our long term goals for this technology was very similar. Um, I know there's a lot of companies who, who really see VR as a, a gaming machine, but we, we both saw it as something that was actually much more impactful, much more transformational, that uh, would really be able to solve a lot of the world's problems and make life better, make education better, make uh, you know education more democratic around the world. Uh, to allow anybody to have access to good quality education, as well as using it to, um, you know, create a, a better working platform for mm -hmm. anybody can can uh, can work around the world and be able to work remotely for people around the world to to uh, allow it to be used in healthcare to to help with mental health issues to to help with training you know those kind of applications we we both agreed that's where the long-term value of vr is uh versus just entertainment sure um so uh you know and i i i think after we really felt like we aligned uh, you know the, the the role also made a lot of uh a lot of sense to me because i I really uh, feel that China is one of the places that would adopt VR technology faster than a lot of other places, just as it did for mobile technology and mobile payments and e-commerce and all these other things that's happening, you know, electric vehicles. All these things are happening faster in China than anywhere else. Um, so, you know, so we agreed that, uh, that it really was a good match, and um, and I, I think working for Cher is also a uh, uh, you know a, a privilege for me because I think she's able to give a lot of autonomy to her team mm -hmm. and really let people go with it. And you know, we've been able to do a lot of fun things in the in the China team and and be the first to release a lot of products ahead of other markets because we we uh, created a more entrepreneurial culture for the the, the team in China. Uh, and you know, when I when I came, there was only you know uh, five people in in the, the VR organization, uh, and uh, now we're in a very full organization with uh, you know over a couple hundred people here. So, Amazing. Um, so I, I think it's uh, it's been a fun ride, and and I think it's going to be even funner going forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I must say, for me, uh, the first uh, true VR experience I had, which actually uh, shaped the the future, and that's partially why I started Somnium. Uh, I mean, I've been a gamer for uh, 20 years, but uh, like, you know, virtual worlds gamer, let's call it like this. It's not even a game, just mm -hmm. a participant in virtual worlds, like Second Life, Ultima Online and stuff. But uh, around about in the end of 2016, I think the HTC was on the road show showing the uh, Vive pre-production version of Vive um, uh -huh. to people. Yep. And I had a chance. I forced myself because they do, they were, you were doing guys for only for, for the press. 
um, and I was not depressed. Yeah. And I was on IFAB due to some other business uh, meetings. And um, I saw HTC stand. I said, oh, all right. So I came in and I said, can you guys uh, give me, uh, you know, a demo? And said, no, you're not, uh, you know, you're not a, um, <laughs> a press guy. Uh, do you have an appointment? I said, no, yeah. I, no, I have no appointment. Let's do one. They said, no, it's not possible. And then I heard that one girl was speaking Czech where, you know, I was, I was living. So I told her, like, is there a way? I mean, I really need to see that. Um, and I was already involved in some other VR startup a bit. I was an investor in some other VR startup. Uh, the 360 camera startup, let's call it like this, half like a VR startup. Yeah. And uh, so we agreed and just I came next day at 8 in the morning morning and I had 15 minutes of you know full room scale experience and yes. that moment I never will forget and I put the headset down and I said to myself oh my god okay everything we read in the books will be possible within five years like almost everything we've, we've, <laughs> we've dreamed about and many people will have headsets on their tables next to the mobile phones and computers I really had this kind of vision and I, I immediately I applied it onto social worlds like, uh, you know, the virtual worlds I was participating in. I said, oh, finally, this would be possible mm -hmm. to do in VR. So that's how I uh, started to, um, you know, to, to get into the VR. And I immediately, of course, ordered one and, uh, and, and you know, the rest is history. But yeah, so at that time, yeah. and I think that kind of leads us a little bit to towards like the HTC hardware uh, of, of, of mm -hmm. things, because at that time, this was the state of the art. You you guys were by light years away from anything, any competition out there. But you know, I, I mean, Oculus was the only one almost there. So and they were really uh, yeah. nothing, nothing interesting yeah, at, at that, that time, time. They were using the Xbox controller at the time. So exactly. It was, it was so a very different experience. Exactly. And 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 the the HTC uh, Vive headset at that time was designed so well that it works so well even now. I mean, I have still the first generation issue. The, the, that headset I still have uh, and it works. Um, and my question is like, what <clears throat> what is the um, uh, what, what is the strategy, I, I guess, uh, for HTC in the hardware business right now? Because I know y you guys are quite big in China, not so big in you know the rest of the world at the moment. What, how do you how do you see the landscape of VR headsets, and how do you want to move in other markets? What 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 is what is? Can you talk about it a little bit? Because this is a very interesting topic for me, and I guess for sure, others too. Sure. I mean, I, I I think I think from the the hardware perspective, uh, we're actually still still one of the top three players in the world. So, um, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're definitely the 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 dominant leader in China in terms of both mm -hmm. market share and, and and ecosystem leadership. But uh, you know we we uh, we still have very good uh, distribution as well as uh, install base uh, all over the world, um, and we also not just just beyond hardware we also uh, have our own Viport store as you know, which uh, is you know one of the, the the two or three top leading content stores as well with thousands of pieces of content on there, mm -hmm. uh, and it's the only uh, store that actually works across multiple. Uh, pieces of hardware, so it's designed right. to be an open, <clears throat> open uh, system. Um, in fact, even even Oculus devices can uh, download from our our uh, our uh, Viport store. Now, uh, I think going forward, things are going to start to change a little bit. Where uh, I think the the standalone business, uh, the standalone devices, will become increasingly important as as we can see uh, over the last year or so. Um, but you know, you have companies like Oculus who are 
uh, I guess, very focused on a, a kind of a lower-end product, and they're somewhat subsidizing the hardware so that they can get it out to more users. I, I think that's actually a good approach, and it's very good for, for getting more consumers to be interested in, in that um, the, the VR segment. Um, but we feel like there's probably a, a, a still a, a need in the business-to-business section. The, those uh, companies who want to use it for training, for remote work, for, for med- medical, for, for defense, for uh, healthcare, whatever, right? Um, I don't know if the, the products that are designed for a very low-end consumer business uh, necessarily will meet their needs, at least from what, what we see. Uh, so as you can see with our with our uh, uh, Focus Plus product, we've more targeted towards the B2B uh, segment, and with our uh, Vive Pro, we can you know we were the first to actually create a, a, a business specific uh, higher end product uh, that goes beyond the the um, the consumer use. Uh, in fact, we had released a, a business edition of the original Vive. Uh, shortly after, which uh, launched initially in China. So we, we were the first to, to launch a, a business-specific product in China. In fact, this is also why China adoption has happened much faster in the business-to-business segment. We were okay. talking about 70% of our business in, in China is in the B2B space. Whereas, oh, interesting. Uh, for the rest of the rest of the world, actually, the, the consumer segment is the bulk of the volume. Uh, but in China, it is actually the opposite. Right? It's kind of flipped around in terms of proportions. Um, so, you know, I think in, in going forward, we'll, we'll continue to to uh, still have both consumer and enterprise products. Uh, but we feel that we'll probably, at least in the near term, uh, spend a little bit more effort on creating higher-end products that really meet the needs of uh, the more premium uh, users or prosumer users. Um, but uh, you know, we, we feel like we can work with our partners through the Wave program uh, to to support the lower end consumer needs. So I don't know if you're familiar with our Wave uh, program, which has about six or seven hardware manufacturers right now uh, that are using our software technology, our runtime technology, our store. Uh, oh right! To integrate yes. into their their yes. lower end hardware. So yes. companies like Pico, yes. uh, ICE, uh, Skyworth, uh, Deepon, they're all using our software systems to support their standalone development, uh, as well as their all, all into kind of the the tethered headset development. Um, and the other thing is, we're even selling uh, controllers to ICE. Their their latest. Sixth off controller is actually using our Vive Focus Plus controllers with their headset okay. uh, to to enable a full six six experience. So so we feel like uh, together uh, with us, you know, doing our own hardware for the higher end, and then doing uh, software for the entire uh, you know both business and consumer segment, as well as um, you know working through our partners for the lower end hardware uh, we can we can meet the needs of both the price sensitive segments at the lower end as well as the the more demanding uh, segments at the higher end okay uh, interesting I I've, there are several effects you, you you said which I obviously didn't know and um, it's interesting to hear um, how do you how do you see um, companies like Xiaomi, um, you know, uh, Huawei, um, and others like um, in China 
do you have cooperation with them? Do you, you know, do you think that they will enter VR market? Because from the outside's perspective, when, when, when I saw, mm. see those companies, um, and they've done a pretty amazing job in innovating in the mobile phone industry, for example, uh, rapidly, mm, sure. they've overtaken, uh, you know, even Samsung and stuff. But uh, how do you see them entering VR market if they, if you think that they will, uh, or maybe you um, Well, I mean, if you look at Xiaomi, they had worked with uh, Oculus on the Go product. Right, um, but right now, I think they've essentially discontinued the, both the product for yep. Xiaomi as well as the, the Oculus in, in the rest of the world. Um, but I haven't seen Xiaomi do anything more on the VR side, at least uh, nothing public. Mm -hmm. uh, and with uh, Huawei, they've also last year launched their Huawei Glass product, yep. uh, which is a more thin and thin and light uh, pancake uh, viewer device. Uh, but it's only a three-dot device. Um, so far, it has not had a huge traction in the marketplace. I, I like their design. I the design the, is amazing. Yeah. The, the lightness and yeah. the, the look and feel. It actually looks a little bit like what you're wearing. Right. Right. Um, not a sponsored gig. Yeah, so. but, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I think I think the limitation of the three DAW experience is, yes, is what's holding them back. In fact, yesterday, I just uh, spoke at Huawei's uh, yearly uh, kind of key partner conference. And uh, and I gave them that feedback, and, and they they agreed. They they actually want to do do more with us, and really work together to create uh, products that are going to to meet the the real customer needs, mm -hmm. right? And to also take advantage of all the content out there. If you think about it, you know, all the thousands of pieces of content out there have been made for six DOS devices. Yes. So trying to really uh, you know create only a three DOS viewer device is a little bit limiting. Yeah, it is. Um, but but you know we we don't see any of them as competitors. Honestly, I think uh, the the XR ecosystem needs a lot more companies in it so that we can help each other grow and help this company, help this industry grow, help the entire ecosystem grow. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of investment. In, you know, in fact, even what, what Oculus is doing in terms of subsidizing the hardware, I think it's a good thing because it allows more people to get exposure. It allows the Absolutely. software developers to, to have more revenue stream, which uh, in, the long, in the long term, will make the, 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 you know, the entire tide float and, and everybody on it will, will benefit. So I think each of us are playing a different role in terms of mm -hmm. helping support the growth of this ecosystem. Uh, and uh, you know, the more the merrier, I guess. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I absolutely agree with you that right now the growth is needed and the, 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 get letting people know what the um, hardware is capable of and what, what they can have as an experience is, I think it's important. So, yeah, uh, everybody who is in the, in the hardware business uh, should, be, should be trying to do that. But um, maybe last question about the hardware and HCC, uh, because just my personal interest, you are obviously, you know that, uh, you know, uh, HCC sometimes is being criticized for having high prices of hardware, you know, the headsets mm -hmm. are priced really high in comparison to competition. Um, and uh, in, in certain, you know, in certain circumstances, sometimes things don't uh, work as well as, for example, like in tracking, for example, like with, with Cosmos and stuff. And I, I had mm -hmm. Cosmos on, uh, yeah. on and uh, it has a very nice screen, but the tracking was an issue, I remember. But how do you... Um, how do you see that um, from the HTC perspective? I, I'm sure you hear that. Um, how do you as a company react to that? And how do you plan to evolve hardware in the future, given that feedback, for example? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, from, from even 2016, our, our products were priced higher than some of the other competition. And, and I think, you know, it was duly justified because we, as you mentioned, we were, you know, significantly ahead of the competition in terms mm -hmm. of the experience and so forth. Um, I think over the last year, we, we haven't done as well. I, I, I agree. I think the, the Cosmos product, the, the, the launch, uh, was not optimal. I <laughs> would we'll just say that. Um, but, you know, going forward, I, I think our, our, our goal is to continue to create and deliver the leading experience in mm -hmm. the industry. Uh, and the leading experience will be slightly more premium priced. Uh, you know, some companies have other types of revenue sources like advertising that can subsidize their hardware and so they can make it more uh, affordable. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, every company has that luxury, right? Uh, you know, where we don't have a, a billion users that are giving us advertising dollars. So we actually need uh, the products we sell to be to be uh, financially viable. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, um, but but you know, even though, if you look at the cost, of, uh, if you look at the pricing of the products, I mean, the, they're actually less than the price of phones that people are buying. Uh, but I think a lot of people, their their relative comparison is to things like uh, PlayStation or or you know uh, Xbox, which are console based -based businesses that are a closed system, right? In a closed system. The hardware cost may be uh, less, but uh, then you're closed in a hardware in a software ecosystem, where you're spending multiple x of the hardware on software, and that's how those companies are able to have a, a positive financial uh, situation. Uh, and in the in the case of uh, VR today, it's actually for, at least the way that we are uh, working is in an open system, so you can get content from anywhere. Uh, you're not locked to having our own store and and, and having premium prices. Um, and so, you know, and, and because you can go to multiple stores, uh, we only get a, a small fraction of the potential software revenues. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, I think for us to be a viable company, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, what, what we do and what we sell and how, how we run our business, uh, we can be a, a long-term uh, viable company. So, um, you know, so I think it's a little bit unfair for some of the maybe uh, console-based gamers to, to say whether this is expensive or cheap. Uh, if you look at the components of a standalone uh, device, it actually is uh, all the same components, if not more, actually more components than a, than a high-end phone. Uh, and with with more tuning that's needed because sure. uh, it's, it's you know very custom to a very high requirement of having higher refresh rates and you know uh, higher processing power that's needed, and so um, I, I don't think the prices are unfair. Mm -hmm. um, we just need to get people to understand the value of what they're getting. I think that that's been really the, I think the mistake from um, from the VR vendors' perspective is that we. Uh, a lot of the vendors are very price sensitive, but they're not necessarily value sensitive. And uh, so this is what we are starting to change going forward is that we want to spend more time creating content that creates uh, immediate value mm -hmm. for the customers. And so now they see why they need to spend or why they should spend this money because it, it gives them back more than they right. spend. Right. right. Uh, if you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, we just announced our XR suite, yes. uh, which is the, the, the device kind of uh, entree into the software business. And we will create essentially a, a suite of, of daily use apps that creates immediate value uh, mm -hmm. for customers that buy our, our products and even for customers that don't buy our products who, because it will be an open, it will be an open software system. 
that allows for any brand, any platform to be uh, usable, including non-VR systems. Right? I think that that's going to change the economics of the entire situation where now uh, maybe we can somehow use some of the software revenues that we get from the XR suite to maybe subsidize hardware, kind of like what, what's been done with the, uh, the console model. Uh, but you know, that's going to take some time for, for that to happen. Sure, absolutely. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I think uh, as the market grows, the, the, the economy of scale will also kick in, mm-hmm. and the prices will, will continue to go down as well. So um, I'm, I'm actually not as concerned overall in terms of pricing. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, we just need to focus on delivering value uh, that is very quickly perceivable by the customer. And when they do that, um, they will they will no longer care as much about the price. I'll give you one example. Mm-hmm. You know, one average business trip today in the U.S. is around a thousand U.S. dollars for a domestic trip, and around three to four thousand dollars for an international trip. Yeah. If, if they can put on a headset and and reduce one trip, right, whether local. Uh, domestic oh, or, absolutely. or yeah. uh, international, they've already paid for the yep. high-end device. Yep. Right? So I, I think that's, that's the kind of uh, economics that people will, will think about. And I'll give you another example. Um, the average office space cost in, in major cities is somewhere between ten to 20,000 US dollars per employee per year. Now, if I can let my staff work from home <clears throat> so that they don't need that office space, uh, I can take that budget and put it into their their uh, you know capital assets into into computers into, tech, into yeah. VR devices, yeah. and and so now they can actually spend less total budget, but have more freedom, uh, and uh, and create higher profitability for the company. Right? Mm-hmm. Again, that's something that economics is very easy to prove. Okay, yeah, I've, I, I, I can definitely see the logic there. And uh, I think I would say on, on behalf of myself, at least, and maybe uh, I'm sure by talking to people, I'm sure on behalf of many, uh, our viewers, is that people want HTC to succeed. Like I, VR enthusiasts want, and it's, it's, it's genuinely like this. And we, for me, uh, HTC has a sweet spot in my heart because, you know, the, the, you guys came up with a an, an, an killer product um, in the beginning of VR and you really showed the way and you led the way uh, towards that. And, um, and yeah, I think people are, are, are ready to, you know, to support and, uh, and uh, buy your products. And I'm pretty sure we'll see more of the exciting hardware news. Maybe you'll share something with us today, what is, what is happening, what is coming up in the, uh, some exclusives <laughs> maybe. Uh, but uh, yeah, do, do, do you have any exclusives for us here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, unfortunately, we're, we're not really allowed to talk about uh, non-public products. But, uh, you know, we, we, we did release a number of uh, new products this year with the the, the Cosmos, Cosmos Elite, yep. uh, and we talked about the concept products for our uh, XR plate that brings in the, the world in a high-definition way. We also talked about the Proton uh, product, which is our uh, kind of thin and light product. So, so there, are, there are definitely things that are in the works. Uh, I can't really go beyond what we've publicly talked about, but um, you know, uh, I, I think you'll, you'll, you'll definitely see uh, new things coming in 2021 from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these... these uh, I think XR devices are a little bit slower uh, yes. renew cycles, what we see with, with phones, right? Where yeah. phones, every year you have a new phone, maybe every two years you have a, a brand new generation, but every year you have at least a new model, right? Um, I think uh, you'll find that uh, the things that we've delivered next year 
mm-hmm. will have uh, some significant improvements over what we've seen in the past, and uh, we, we should we 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 strive to continue to be in that that forefront of innovation in this industry. You know, just as I think the and the phone industry, HTC was actually known as well initially to be. The innovators. We were the first touchscreen phone, the first Windows phone, the yeah. first Android phone, the, the first 3G phone, and, and the first 4G phone to market. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know that that was that's kind of the, the innovation heritage that we took with the initial Vive in 2016. Um, I think you know, and and with the the Vive Pro, and and in fact with the Vive Focus and Focus Plus was also the first fixed off standalone in the market. So we, we keep you know, bringing in that innovation. Uh, I think you'll see in 2021, we will uh, again uh, bring in a new set of innovation that uh, will we'll get, the, uh, get the, the ecosystem and the industry excited again. Okay, amazing. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And yes, HTC phones uh, were, uh, were amazing and I had, uh, I had several of those. Um, talking about mobile phones, um, you are, as I understand, sure. you are also responsible uh, for for mobile phone division, or you are uh, you are dealing with the mobile phone division of HTC. Um, how sure. how do you how do you how do you guys see the future of HTC in mobile phone market? Because the mobile phone market became really aggressively uh, uh, aggressively dominant by competition. Let's say like this, um, and. Uh, there, 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 even companies like Samsung, uh, you know, having some troubles to catch up with some, you know, other Chinese brands like, you know, Huawei, uh, Huawei and uh, Xiaomi. Uh, what, what is, what is? Can uh, you talk about HTC plan on coming back uh, into that market? Um, is there any uh, plan to come back? I hope it is. Well, just uh, I think last last week uh, we had just announced, or maybe two weeks, I guess two weeks ago, we had just announced that uh, we are now uh, uh, launching our first 5G phones. Mm-hmm. So so we will have some new phones that are coming to the market, um, but it, it will start uh, more in the, the the Taiwan market first, and then I think there will be some that going to to Europe. Um, there might be some some devices that go to the U.S. That's not clear yet. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think the the phone market is, is becoming, uh, you know, a lot more mature, right? And even though we, we, we did a lot of work initially to help create the initial innovations uh, in the industry, uh, but right now there are, are a few players that are, you know, the kind of the the top four or five players together is probably ninety percent market share. Yeah. So and then there's you know dozens of other players that are trying to share that last ten percent. You know, so it, it's uh, it's not necessarily a uh, a very uh, I guess uh, easy system for for companies to to enter or re-enter. Right. So so I think for at least for the near term, our focus has really been uh, more on the XR space. I think that's where the 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 the, the future of of HTC at least and mm-hmm. uh, that we're betting on. And and if you think about it, I think um, once devices get to kind of what you're wearing, something that's on your face, do you really need to have a phone? Uh, a traditional phone that we have today where it's in your pocket that you bring out every time, right? There will probably be a device that links to uh, the network and your know, 5G or 6G network, but they, it, you don't necessarily need a screen on it and you don't necessarily need to to uh, have the devices, have two separate devices. They will, they will definitely be <clears throat> interlinked in, in some way. So I think that the, the, the future will then uh, 
reintegrate again uh, in the in the near future. Um, if you if you look at what's happening with the the the, the viewer devices, you know, and the standalone uh, VR devices, uh, they will probably start having 5G chips that will be put into it, or you know, high-end fi- yeah. Wi-Fi chips yeah. that that will that will then wirelessly link to a, a phone. So. Uh, in, in which case, then the merging of the industry will, will happen again. So, um, I, I don't know if we we need to uh, we need to be overly focused in trying to then uh, recapture our spot in the traditional phone market, but maybe to integrate the telecom market, the telecom experience we've had over 20 into years of building, XR, yeah. having that into the XR space. Got I think it. That, that's that's where the future is. And particularly now, with all that's happening with 5G and cloud rendering, mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 experience and capability and heritage we have in the in the telecom space becomes so much more relevant. In fact, nobody else, I think, in in the industry today uh, has uh, the, the the right pedigree to be able to combine the two industries uh, to create to create that next generation of products that will become the mass product. You know, the, the, the PC-based product, I think, will be something that will continue to be useful, Absolutely. but it, it mm-hmm. will not be in the hundreds of millions of units a year uh, as what we see with uh, the phones today. You know, the, 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 the next generation uh, XR product that will be the kind of billion units a year will, will be glasses-type products of what you're, you know, showing on your head. I think that device will definitely be telecom integrated. Right. Uh, I, I agree with you, which brings us uh, to another topic. Um, I think the, we see big companies right now moving to towards AR um, and we see, you know, um, Apple uh, leaks are coming from every side uh, right now. And sure. we, are, we are definitely seeing that they are working on AR glasses, um, which will be connected or will not connect it to the phone. But I think they will. Um, now we see uh, we see Google acquiring North. We see you know Amazon trying to make some moves. Um, now, um, how do you see AR market in particular? Because I think the, f- the first move of those companies, or the mainstream companies, I think Samsung working as well on, on, on those. And how do you see the AR market? And how do you see HTC and AR market uh, play? Or do you guys try to over jump or overleap that and go directly into this combination of VR, AR in one device with mobile phone connectivity uh, type of thing. Yeah, so I mean, I think if you looked at what we announced uh, earlier this year with the our XR plate on the Cosmos, you'll start to see kind of the approach that we're taking. Right. Um, I think that the, the, there are there are kind of physics limitations right now in terms of a pure optical mm-hmm. AR that makes it several years behind uh, kind of pass through AR in terms of field of view, in terms of experience, in terms of immersion. Uh, and at the end of the day, I, I don't think AR and VR are actually two separate technologies or two separate products. They're all part of that continuum, right? It's the virtuality continuum that that's been talked about for two decades or three decades. So. Um, the two will merge, and the two will be in a, in a device that will be thin and light, and and it's hopefully an all-day type device. Um, and I think you know the 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 type of product that we announced earlier this year uh, is is kind of a first step towards that. Um, you know, when when it gets announced and it, when it gets released, I mean, uh, I, I think people will, will start to see a, maybe a slightly different vision of how to approach mm-hmm. uh, the the AR experience where. You know, we're maybe taking it more from the 
the path through AR uh, as the initial uh, path to, to delivery uh, versus a, a see-through AR. I think see-through AR has been around for a few years already. I mean, we had the Google Glass back in, uh, I guess, what, almost seven, eight years ago. Yep. Uh, and I bought one of those devices. Right? I mean, it, it, was, it was a cool device, and, you know, uh, for its time, it was probably ahead of its time. Um, but... You know the the there are just physical limitations and 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 difficulties of making a, a device that thin that light that delivers uh, a full experience that people will be satisfied with. So uh, you know there are definitely rumors about a lot of companies for uh, a, a, a number of years, but they, none of them have delivered yet. So uh, well let let let's you know let's see which path will deliver faster. Uh, to to market, but at the end of the day, longer term, within you know five, six, seven years, they will definitely integrate into one device that will be yep, yep. you know allowing for full, full, full immersive experience, full see through experience, full pass through experience, all in the same device. It, it, it will be here. Yeah, I I I I think I think so as well, and I think um, the the critical parts of technology for good AR slash VR um, headset. Um, is coming uh, we see already they are coming into the market and they're being uh you know they're already coming into the lower price points where like for example a company like Enreal, uh they do ar glasses right and what they did is uh, you know you can you know the, the, the glass are, are deemed enough to provide you a good viewing experience for the movie for example even with the pass-through thing so with the technology like many cars having right now where you can just press the button and the windows go black, uh, you know, uh, completely uh, uh, dim, right? You, you can use this and then you basically have, you cut off your real life and you can uh, watch a, you know, uh, or uh, immerse yourself into VR. So I think that's definitely coming. The question is what will come first uh, and players like Apple, if they bring just a see-through, uh, put my apps on my face thing, um, that can shape a little bit the market uh, of the AVR rails, let's say. But uh, I think definitely the converging all of that into one device is the future for the for the next five years, maybe. Uh, I, I would. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you if you uh, saw yesterday, the news just came out that the Ready Player Two book is coming. Yes. So I think that that's actually uh, good good news, and uh, you know, it's one of uh, my favorite movies because we actually worked with Spielberg on the first right. uh, Ready Player One movie. Yes. Um, but. You know, if you look at the world that they're painting, that that world was actually supposed to be around the 2020 was when it started, and you know the movie itself was like 20, 20 45 or something. But uh, I think we're we're kind of on that path. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so so within within the next five to ten years, our the majority of our time will actually be spent in a device like that, mm -hmm. which uh, will will provide us. You know, most of the contact that we have with the world, whether your your work relationships or your friend rela social relationships, uh, or even you know virtual travel, all of that will, will actually happen uh, in these devices. So they will become increasingly important, and um, uh, it, it will probably be the, uh, the device that we will be most uh, dependent on, even more so than we are on phones today. So so I, I really uh, am very hopeful. For the potential of this this technology to to really uh, change the way we live and mm -hmm. uh, maybe improve the way we live and also uh, maybe create a little bit more equality in the way we live, right? If you look at what's happening today with all of the protests out there, it's really all about the the, the in increasing bifurcation between the rich and the poor and between different races and between different countries and and you know all of that 
is because we are lots often judging people by the color of their skin or by their education or by their clothes or by the car they drive. But when you're in VR like we are right now, I mean, we we could be anybody. We could look like anybody. Have a nice and, suit. And, you know, really, <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank, thank you for the, the nice design. You guys did a good job. Thank and, you. Uh, I actually have a suit that looks exactly like this. Um, so, but, you know, I, I think then at that point, we're really now starting to judge each other a lot more on the, the, the content of our, of our knowledge and our intellect and our creativity, which then opens up anybody in the world to be able to do any job or to be able to have any conversation with anybody yes. else, right? That, that makes the world a lot more fair and equal place, which then should create more social stability and more sense of satisfaction. Uh, all of these, you know, are, are, are I think, potential long-term benefits of having mass adoption of XR devices. I absolutely agree with you. And I think, uh, you know, part of our mission in, in, in Somnium in general is we want to let people live inside VR world and let them do and monetize their abilities the way they want to, no matter where they're located, who they are and things like that so mm -hmm. this is this is you know part of our our mission and that's why you know we really grow try to grow economy here and we try to let people actually you know um, make business out of their um, ability to be there apart from just hanging out here and having fun uh, there is a big <laughs> business aspect behind behind that and uh, we think it's very important and um, which brings us to to uh, to a social VR, uh, let's say the metaverse of today. What is mm -hmm. your view on all of what is happening in social VR worlds out there, like Outspace, you know, uh, Engage, uh, VR Chat, Somnium? Well, how how do you how do you perceive sure. it? Uh, how how often do you spend time there, and, and, and how do you how do you see that uh, in in general in the market? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually spend a time with in in a lot of the the, the technology that you talked to, right, or that you talked about. And this is my first time in Somnium, so that's why I apologize. I should have came in earlier. Um, We're glad but, to have you here. I, I, Yes, yes. Thank you for inviting me. Um, but I think that there is right now we're we're kind of in the early stage where where people are trying to figure out what is the best way to to, to do social in VR and um, and also just what are the the proper use cases for VR social. Uh, you know, VR VR Chat is one of our portfolio companies, and you know they've done a great job. I think they they have probably one of the largest uh, user bases out there yes. today, uh, particularly for an independent company. Um, and you know, I, I, we've learned a lot by you know working with them and and and, and uh, you know and partnering with them. In fact, they're part of our XR suite that uh, we we announced a couple weeks ago. Uh, Engage is also one of our portfolio companies and also part of our XR suite. And um, so I, I think these kind of companies are going to. Um, Maybe we're trying to get them to do things beyond just pure social. Um, I, I think for, for light, casual social, um, maybe, maybe what's already happening today with just, uh, you know, on the web today, uh, whether in a, in a headset or not in a headset, maybe is enough. But when you're trying to attend a conference, when you're trying to, to learn something really important, uh, that the ability to get into an immersive experience where it's interactive, where uh, maybe you actually having a headset that blocks you off from what's happening around the world makes you more focused and yep. makes you more attentive to that content. I think those, those are, are, are absolutely uh, beneficial use cases that is 
it's part social, but it's also uh, part productivity driven, part collaboration driven. Um, I think you know those those are going to be uh, uh, very important use cases. And we've done studies that actually show once you put on a headset, your attention level goes up multi x, and your ability to learn and remember yeah. uh, information goes up significantly, like 50, 60 percent increases. And so. You know, if you're going to take a class, I, I would much rather do that than to look at a TV screen or look at a, a computer screen, which is what all the kids are doing today. One hundred percent. And then you know, feeling feeling very bored. And then also, for all the MOOC classes that's been around for many years, the completion rates are well under five percent. Right, five percent of people who start classes actually finish them, and and we need it to be much higher. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so. Um, you know, but I, I think there will be an increased need for social spaces because what's happening with social distancing today is that we, we, we now no longer have that physical ability to, to interact. And so having a, a place of your own or having a place where you can go and hang out with your friends will be very important. Um, now, which one will win, I think, or which one will be the, the, the dominant player in that space is still unclear, um, but in, in social uh, networks in general in the past, there's usually one or two or three companies in the world that becomes the, the, the primary uh, destination, and, and then it's just part of the whole the network effect, right? The, 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 the benefit of, of, of network is that it's like the, the square of the number of the members. So, um, so it, you know, it, it, the, the bigger you are, the more attraction you will be to, to the, 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 the rest of the, the membership. So, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how, what happens. But there probably will be a consolidation uh, mm-hmm. over the next you know, two or three years. Um, uh, but, you know, just like when, when initial social networks happened, uh, you know, nobody knew who was going to be a winner. When the initial, you know, uh, like the... the, the oh, the, the various social networks, we, we didn't know who was going to win. There was yeah. always multiple players, but then one one or two companies really uh, jumped ahead. So, I, and I, I think having more players in the market will allow people to find a choice that really uh, both help each other to grow, but also uh, have maybe serendipitously find a solution that other people haven't been doing. And maybe also going beyond what people have uh, have been doing where I think a lot of the current spaces uh, are trying to essentially create something that, that looks like the physical world. Maybe there's there's a new metaphor that makes even more sense uh, yeah, in, in VR that we haven't discovered. So uh, that I, again, just like uh, where we said, you know, it's the early stage in, in, the, in the VR industry where we need more hardware players. I think we also need more software and solution players that will bring whatever the, the 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 winning solution is okay yeah i've i i agree with you and what, what is what is your take on metaverse because here we um we believe in somnium that um the metaverse is not a one company um the metaverse is um you know many companies so our vision is the player should be able to jump freely and um seamlessly from Somnium to VRChat, from VRChat to Altspace, from Altspace to something else, whatever will exist there at that time, and, and, and just be able to experience those experiences in a, in a pretty much seamless uh, way, having their identity with them and stuff. How do you, how do you perceive Metaverse yeah. of the future? Do you think it's like one company, or do you think it will be uh, a collaboration, not a collaboration, but an open ability of people to jump between different social VR um, applications? I, I I think this is, is a complex, complicated question. Um, 
if we if we take the example of of, of the metaverse of the oasis in in the ready player one it was really just one company one company yes. now now not one company but each of the worlds might be created by a lot of different companies but there's probably somebody that is the infrastructure that links together these these different <laughs> worlds or these different players um unless there's something that that easily seamlessly connects all these worlds uh it's it's very difficult for that to happen um, now, with the, the Internet, we, there are some standard protocols that allow these different websites to be in, seamlessly connected. And, you know, the, the underlying networks are being supported and paid for by, you know, data centers around the world by different carriers yep. and different governments. So, 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 so it is possible. Um, but in terms of social network, uh, where you need that social graph and the identity and, and the portability, um, Right now, the internet doesn't offer that, right? It doesn't offer uh, the the ability to carry your internet identity to all different websites, and everybody uh, can have that exact same experience. I think what 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 the internet provides right now is really more the plumbing. Yeah. Now, um, I I feel like there's probably going to be somebody that either provides creates the standard that helps for the interoperability between these worlds, or there will be one big world, and then a lot of people will become subsidiary developers into that big world. So um, I, I really don't know which one is going to be, um, but uh, for, for that standard to be created, we really need to have a lot more collaboration between the players and the industry today, mm -hmm. and, and that hasn't happened. Uh, that may happen in the future, but it hasn't happened so far. Um, but so it, it uh, at least based on on the the current social network models, um, I, I think there will likely be two or three uh, independent players versus uh, a a full meta world versus in the idealistic way of right. of uh, kind of what what's been presented in some of the the novels. Okay, yeah, I've, I, I, I can see that happening. It's very hard to predict right now, of course. Um, uh, but uh, yeah. we, of course, try on our side to uh, to be open to as many cooperations uh, with other worlds as possible. We did uh, some examples with High Fidelity yeah. in the past uh, where we allowed people to mm -hmm. teleport there and back uh, from Somnium, which worked pretty well. Um, and uh, yeah. it, I think it could happen. It just needs to. Yeah. Also, the the whole industry needs a little bit of time to mature um, and and see more like which yeah. direction is uh, is it is it is it going uh, for sure. Yeah. So so I, I I think maybe we have this conversation in another one or two years. Uh, I think everybody will have a little bit better view and and will True. also have better direct direction and suggestion on which way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe the last thing I would like to, to ask you is what, it could be a software or a tech, what makes you excited about, you know, the future of hardware or software in the next, um, let's say, two years? What, apart from VR, as we discussed, and maybe some, you know, uh, XR uh, products, what else are you interested in? What 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 are, what are you follow? What are you following? Uh, and what technologies do you think will uh, will thrive in the next years? Um, well, I, I think the thing that longer term will have uh, as much benefit uh, to society as uh, as XR is probably in the the biotech space and the mm -hmm. genetic engineering space. Mm -hmm. uh, being able to go in 
and you know fix diseases before they happen being able to make us all live 10 or 20 or 50 years longer uh, in a healthy way uh, I think all of that is actually coming down the road um, and it will it will change our perception of time it will change our our value systems actually um, and you know being able to stay healthy for a longer time will actually also mean that we can maintain the knowledge that we've kept uh, as we age and be able to pass on to our future generations. It will probably also change the way uh, and the, the time we have children and how many we have. Uh, all of these things, I think, is going to have a societal impact that um, we don't understand yet. Um, so so I, I'm actually quite excited about the potential that that, that may be more than two years away. Um, but that's something I think we'll, we'll have uh, real long-term impact uh, and the other technology that you know a lot of people have been following is in the the ai space and applying mm -hmm. uh ai you know both to things like you know making uh you know our computer vision uh better for for tracking for voice recognition for hand tracking and all these other things uh but beyond that i, I think moving into uh agi i think that's also something that will be quite interesting in terms of the societal impact of of what happens there where maybe 60 70 percent of the white collar workers actually can be replaced by an ai system at which point maybe you know our our definition of work may actually be different yep um you know i'm i'm, I'm not necessarily the the dystopian future kind of uh <laughs> Uh, idea where I think now you know the computers gonna come in and become our overlords uh, I, I really see AGI as something that will come and actually free us to do the things that we're better at free us to do things that we want to do and give us the time to do them instead of spending all our time at work maybe we spend two hours a day at work or at some form of work uh, but most of our time can actually be, be done in terms of making ourselves better people, learning music, learning history, learning arts um, that will make us more fulfilled and spending more time with our families, uh, spending more time to get to know each other, and then having more of a, a uh, UBI uh, type model where even if you're not working, you're because technology is being so advanced that we now have an abundance society that not everybody has to work to survive. If you want to work because you want to contribute, you should do that. But you don't have to work just so that you have food to eat. Right? I think that that's you know the the, the combination of of kind of biotech or genetic tech together with AI, together with, with XR, will allow us essentially anybody to live any life they want uh, without constraint um, and allow us to be more fulfilled as a species uh, longer term and actually also keep us more interested in our life uh, over time. And, you know, there's a lot of people that their daily life is going to work and, you know, getting an assembly line yeah. and putting in a... a <laughs> Uh, a, a, pl a, a plug or a screw into a, a part, and that's all they do every day. Um, that's uh, kind of unfortunate, right? We, we should allow robots and AI to do those things and allow everybody to find what they're most passionate about uh, in their life and allow technology to enable them to do that and allow the productivity of automation to finance the ability to have that freedom. 
I, I think that that's what I'm most looking forward to. It, it would definitely take more than two years for that to happen. But I think that can actually happen within the next 10 to 20 years. And uh, the, the life that we know today, the way that we live our life, uh, will be very, very different. All right, yeah. I, and and I, better. I, I would love to see such a future. I, would, I also think that um, uh, partially... I, I I can hardly imagine at this moment, of course, maybe in 10, 20 years, uh, I got out, say rather 20 years, that, that this could kind of start to, to form. Uh, but I think people will increasingly spend more time in worlds like this in VR because for many people, and, 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 and I always say for many people in the world, um, they're only experience like this or in a disco or like traveling or having you know an amazing art gallery which we have right uh, behind the wall or like just a further away mm -hmm. but uh, that it will be only in vr they will not have because of whatever constraints the world currently you know shows either it's a ge geographical one or it's a economical one or both um their their only way to uh, become a better and more educated human being would be through worlds like that and creating those worlds mm -hmm. together. So I think that's that's why I believe in the importance of those worlds, of social VR worlds, because people will want to spend more time in them. Uh, uh, even maybe they will have to. That, that you know, that's not like it's like today about the internet. If you want to do something, you kind of have to have at least a mobile phone connected to the internet, so that you have this you know information flow uh, and you can connect to to the whole world. In 20 years, maybe you'll be you'll have to have a VR headset to actually be a part of the bigger society, which is happening somewhere else. Yeah. So that's that's could that, be that, that could be a future. I totally agree, but I I don't think it'll take 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so th this time this 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 time I, I think I, I it would it will actually be in less than 10 years. We will oh yeah, I agree. If it's less, I agree absolutely. Absolutely, I yeah. agree with you. I think once we had hit the certain uh, form factor and certain price point. Uh, I think, like for example, like a little bit closer to the, what Huawei is doing with their three-off headset, and maybe even thinner and stuff. Mm -hmm. Once and once that will cost uh, $150 or something, it's a sweet spot. Like everybody will have one, and 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 you and and you will be connected to to the world. So I think 5G will play a role in it. I think we see all the technologies coming in right now, which will form uh, this kind of metaverse in the next uh, in the next decade. All right. So um, I think. That's it for today. I, I, I must say I had an amazing Great. time uh, talking to you. Thank you very much for, for coming. Yes, likewise. Uh, and, uh, uh, of course, I have to say it as a, as a show. Subscribe, tweet, like, retweet, whatever you do, <laughs> all those social media things uh, you guys do. Thank you for audience, amazing audience today we had with us. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, until next time, see you on the other side of the monitor. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you very much. See you.